Gaudete. That's a command that can be very hard to follow, even if we really want to. Today is known as Gaudete Sunday, the Sunday where we light the third candle of the pink one on our Advent wreath, signifying the season is now more than half over and the Christmas is fast approaching. So the Church tells us what St. Paul tells us to do in that text we just heard from 1 Thessalonians 5. The Church tells us to rejoice. In fact, the Church literally tells us that. The Church commands us to do it. Gaudere in Latin is the verb that means to rejoice. But gaudete is the imperative plural form of the verb, which means that it's a command. It's a command that's being given to you, to me, to every single human person on planet Earth. Rejoice. Why I said at the beginning of my homily, it's a command that can be very hard to follow, even if we really want to. It's because we can always find a reason not to rejoice. Even if we're relatively happy and content with the way things are going in our life right now, there will always be some reasons for us not to rejoice might be something we're personally experiencing, which is pulling us down emotionally. might be something negative that somebody else is experiencing. Think of the shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, that occurred 11 years ago this week. Most of us didn't know any of the victims or their family, yet I dare say that all of us who were alive at that time were deeply affected by that tragedy. How could we not be? As I see it, there are two major categories of reasons for us not to rejoice. First is the general state of the world. The second is the particular state of our world. The general state of the world is determined by the kinds of things we read about in the newspaper every day. Murders of innocent people, like those that have taken place in the Middle East in recent weeks. The rioting, the terrorism, the wars, the greed, the abuse of various kinds. You get the picture, I don't have to go into more, any more detail. The particular state of our world is determined by what we are experiencing in our lives at the present time, by the events in our past that are still troubling us today. For example, some of you have lost loved ones suddenly and tragically, but some of you that's happened in the recent past. Some of you have lost your jobs recently, no doubt. Some of you have been diagnosed with a serious illness recently. Some of your relatives and friends are going through difficult times possibilities, unfortunately, are almost endless. And this is why it can be hard to rejoin, especially around Christmas. The general perception is that everybody around us sits filled with joy. That, by the way, is a false perception. Everybody around us is not filled with joy. Because of all the decorations and the music and the parties and the festivity at this time of year, it can appear that they are. So the question is, is it possible? Is it possible to fulfill that command to rejoice even when bad things are happening in the world out there and in our own little world in here? Yet, I'm happy to say, is yet. It is possible to gaudete, to rejoice in times of suffering. It's possible to rejoice in times of trial. It's possible to rejoice in the worst of circumstances. It's possible because in the midst of all the reasons, the many reasons we each of us have not to rejoice, there is always one reason we have to rejoice. 
never eaten the cheese that's Christ and what he's done for us. First of all, let me make an important and necessary distinction between feeling joy and rejoicing. Feeling joy is an emotional response to something that pleases us. Children, for example, will see their presence under the tree on Christmas morning, and they will feel joy. That will happen quite naturally. If they've been particularly good in the previous 12 months, they'll feel a lot of joy. Rejoicing is different. Rejoicing is very different. Biblically speaking, emotion, rejoicing is not an emotion. Not an emotional response to something that we find attractive or pleasing. Rejoicing in the Bible is an act of the will. Rejoicing in the Bible is a conscious and deliberate decision to praise and glorify God, regardless of what we happen to be going through in our present life at the present time. And it's a decision that we make on the basis of what we know to be true. I don't always feel joy, either to you, either does anybody else. But even when I'm not feeling joy, I can still make the conscious and deliberate decision to rejoice based on what I know by faith to be true. And that's really the key to it all. We want to be able to rejoice on the third Sunday of Advent and on, every other, and on every other day of the year. We have to make the effort, the conscious effort, the deliberate effort to look beyond all the reasons we have not to rejoice and to focus our attention on the things that by faith we know are true. For example, if I want to rejoice always, I need to focus my attention on the fact that Jesus is Lord. In spite of all the chaos out there, Jesus is Lord. I need to focus my attention on the fact that Jesus loved me with an unconditional love, even when I fail him, even when I fall short, even when I sin. I need to focus my attention on the fact that Jesus is with me always, that he will never allow me to be tested beyond my strength. I need to focus my attention on the fact that Jesus will always, for, always forgive me if I repent, especially in the sacrament of confession. I need to focus my attention on the fact that everything, including my suffering, will work for my ultimate good. If I love the Lord and stay close to him. If my mind and heart are focused on truth like those, and not on all the reasons I have to be sad and depressed, then I can rejoice. I can rejoice always. St. Paul said, I should. Here, Mary, our blessed mother, is a great example for us. How providential it was today that our responsorial psalm was not a psalm at all. Did you notice that? In between the first and second readings of Sunday Mass, we normally hear one of the 150 Old Testament psalms, or at least part of one of those psalms. Today was different. Today, in place of the psalm, we heard a brief excerpt from our blessed mother's Magnificat. That was the beautiful prayer she said when she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. The prayer is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Mary, like the rest of us, had many reasons not to rejoice. She was poor. She and her people were being oppressed by the pagan Romans. She lived in a violent and dangerous period of human history. Death literally was all around our blessed mother. Yet as this prayer indicates, she was able to look beyond it, to look beyond all those negative things 
and make a conscious and deliberate decision to rejoice. Listen again to what she said. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Notice she doesn't say, I feel joy. She says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She then lists some of the things that she knew by faith to be true. She says, the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He's shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud of their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, promising me to our father, to Abraham and his children forever. In the midst of all the reasons she had not to rejoice, our blessed mother found and consciously and deliberately focused on the one reason she had to rejoice always, namely God and all the great things God had done for her and for her people. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us that we will follow your example, not only during the days before Christmas, but throughout the entire year. Amen.